0: Welcome to The Real Python Podcast. This is episode 32. Do you have gaps in your Python learning path? If you're like me, you may have followed a completely random route to learn Python. This week on the show, David Amos is here to talk about the release of the Real Python book, Python Basics, a practical introduction to Python 3. The book is designed not only to get beginners up to speed, but also to help fill in the gaps many intermediate learners may still have. David's been working on the book for the last two years, and we dive into all the resources that come with it. These include code challenges, quizzes, and multiple projects that are designed to help you cement your learning. We also discuss the people and processes involved in creating, reviewing, and updating the book. All right, let's get started. Real Python Podcast is a weekly conversation about using Python in the real world. My name is Christopher Bailey, your host. Each week we feature interviews with experts in the community and discussions about the topics, articles, and courses found at realpython.com. After the podcast, join us and learn real-world Python skills with a community of experts at realpython.com. Hey David, hey Chris. Welcome back to the show. It's kind of a slightly different format this week. Yeah. Instead of bringing a bunch of topics, you've brought some actually really cool news about the book you've been working on forever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we're moving from the early access release of the Python Basics book. Right. What's What's going on?
1: Well, I've been working on this this book with Dan Bader and, and Joanna Jablonski, the executive editor of Python, for mm-hmm. we're, we're pushing... Thanks for over two years now, wow. and it's been in early access over a year. I can't remember the exact date that we we set that out for early early access, but yeah, it's the Python basics, and it covers you know introduction to programming. It, it doesn't assume that you've had any experience whatsoever, and it's it's kind of a, a Rewrite, if you will, of there was an existing book from what's known as the Real Python course bundle. Okay, which is book one of that. That was kind of where we we started with that, and we've just been expanding on it and updating it and rewriting it, and we've now reached a point where we can actually take it out of of early access and and call it done. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's cool. So during the early access phase, you've had the ability to get lots of feedback and input from readers uh, checking it out yeah How, how's that shaped what you've you've been doing
1: uh that's been a really really good experience it was you know i i guess as a as a writer sometimes you feel like you're like sort of just writing in, in a void and you're like is anyone is anyone actually going to like this <laughs> sure or, i bet you know, like <laughs> and then you you release it into the world and then you get the reaction that you get and it, you know it's either successful or you know whatever or somewhere in the middle right so with this it was very different like it was very organic we kind of got it to a a point where we felt comfortable letting people look at it and then they gave us their feedback and so we've been able to kind of course correct on a few things and change the scope in some cases or you know go into more detail less detail i mean it just we got tons of feedback from people that really helped us gauge how it was working for them You know were they comprehending? Were they understanding? What did they still find confusing? And so we were able to go in and, and kind of tweak that. Yeah. I found it enormously helpful. I was also very pleasantly surprised that, you know, the vast majority of the feedback was, was positive and constructive criticism. There was not really any negativity. So that was, that was really nice. Not to say that it was like perfect, right? And we definitely had people <laughs> right. say like "I you know don't understand this, but yeah, everything was very constructive and and enormously helpful, so I'm very grateful to all the the early access readers
0: in some ways. you kind of mentioned who the intended audience is in this case, I guess we could kind of expand on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it a different group of people, potentially from
1: the original version? Possibly, I think it's a little bit more focused, so the original version, I think was. It made some assumptions that, uh, so for example, it assumed you knew how to use Terminal. It assumed you were familiar with maybe like, you know, how a file system worked and, and things like that. So it was, I think, geared more towards, it wanted to include as many beginners as possible, but also kind of be more for the people that, hey, if you're coming from Java or C++ or some other language, then this would also help get you up to speed without, you know, sort of wasting your time on these things that you probably already already know. Okay. So with Python Basics, we still try to keep it interesting enough that if you are coming from another language, you could use it to get up to speed with Python. But we really wanted something that would also, you know, if you had no experience programming whatsoever, you could get started with uh, with this book. So it doesn't assume that you know what a terminal is or even how to open it or how to type commands into it. It doesn't assume that you have any kind of sophisticated understanding of the file system or or anything like that. So, or like you know things like character encoding or all this kind of stuff that I think sometimes gets taken for granted and can can be a be a point of contention for people or confusion. Yeah, we really tried to hold people's hands through that and and uh, and make it accessible to folks that are this first time they've ever programmed a computer.
0: What I think of is that would be really useful and. I'm not sure I haven't really gone through a lot of the book yet is this whole just the installation process I've had multiple situations where I've moved from one platform to another or like in some cases I'm sure a lot of people are doing with this this year of you know going from an office computer to then setting it up on a personal home computer and getting python configured maybe it's the first time that they're they're using you know windows or a mac or linux or they're shifting between these is is that part of what's in the book too
1: yeah so the very first chapter is about installing Python and we cover it for Windows, Mac OS, and Ubuntu Linux, which are kind of the three most popular operating systems that we see among our, our readers. And I think you know the, the book walks you through that process. For Windows and Mac OS, we, we use the official python.org installers. Mm, okay. And there were some things to consider there that we've, we felt like well say for example, for Windows you know you can install from the App Store, which right honestly for a like total beginner might be the right way to, to do it, but you end up with not necessarily the kind of environment you would want for professional development if you do it that way there's some there's a few limitations from installing from the App Store that you don't get really if you're if you're going to install I think for you know for professional python de- development environment on a windows you you want to install from the python.org installer okay we made that decision there which if you read we've got a, a python installation and setup guide article on the website if you read that it it suggests using the app store okay installation for beginners so that is one i guess little little difference there but for mac os we walk you through using the python.org installer which i halfway through the book it's kind of a, a funny story. Uh, I don't know about halfway through, but at some point, I was I was mainly using a uh, Linux distribution, using Ubuntu on a on an old Lenovo laptop. The laptop died, and I was I didn't have a work machine anymore at at home. So I kind of on a whim decided I'm going to switch to Mac and switch to macOS and and got a MacBook. I followed the instructions to get Python installed with Homebrew, okay, which was a I guess so. It seemed like that was kind of the recommended way to install on macOS when I was looking at things. Even on real Python, we had in that installation guide. And I started running into all sorts of problems with Idle and with Tkinter when I when I did that. And was like, man, what, what is going on? I had none of these issues on Linux. I'd used Python on Windows had none of those issues. So I discovered that you know there were some serious limitations to to that, and which was great because the original installation instructions for mac os in, in what became the python basics book was to use homebrew so i was able to get that all, all corrected you know get a nice solid development environment set up using the the python.org installer
0: i'd have to agree with that like you know being a mac user for a long time you know, mainly because i do a lot of video and audio stuff again i think this is something that was like really common four or five years ago you know the suggestion was to use homebrew hmm but I had a really kind of awkward experience with it. It had some really strange things written inside of Homebrew as far as like how it was like doing version numbers. It's something I discussed, I think, last week about, you know, like it was doing greater than, less than kind of things with certain version numbers and all these kind of weird, weird kind of edge cases. It wasn't super clean. Yeah. You know, and also just the way and where it installed it. Whereas the the installation from Python, like, I had to redo my entire iMac recently. And anyway, so it (laughs) downloading from, from Python was the best way to do it. And that in my experience, it was been super clean and I've actually been able to install a couple different versions of Python and switch between them pretty easily, you know, without having to like dive into Docker and other kinds of things. It it seems to work pretty smoothly. So um, yeah, just, you know, it's interesting, you know, things change. (laughs) So
1: yeah, exactly. And you know, it, it was one of those things where i ended up spending a lot of time just on this short chapter on how to install python and really thinking about if you're if you've never programmed before if you've only been sort of the casual you know computer user and haven't had to do any of this sort of technical stuff like how do you make it just really easy for them and give them the highest chance of success you know you don't want them to they can't even make it through the installation chapter. Then right, they're probably right. not going to read the rest of the book, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty fundamental. So yeah, we we took a lot of care in that. Yeah, it's. I mean, so far from the early access, it you know it seems like people have had no issue.
0: Good. So they're you know kind of testing and and trying these things out as as they go, which is good. Right. Yeah. One of the questions I wanted to talk about is what does the the book cover? Like what you mentioned it briefly at the beginning, but if we want to dive into it. You know, what are the types of sections and like how how far along does it go
1: yeah so the book in a nutshell well the the subtitle is a practical introduction to python 3 so it's got the full introduction to python 3 and it's going to take you from you know writing uh, your very first python program little hello world type thing to to writing functions and loops and Control flow and all that kind of stuff, all the way up to a very brief introduction to uh, object oriented programming. Okay. I'd say the first 12 chapters cover the syntax and the foundations of programming. So you get into different kinds of data types, strings and string methods, numbers and doing, you know, arithmetic and, and mathematical operations with those functions and loops, conditional logic. Uh, there's like your if statements and and things like that. A, a chapter on the some of the some of the built-in data structures, uh, tuples, lists, and dictionaries. So you get a uh, run down all those. How to work with modules and packages, and uh, and then working with files. So that's all kind of the first twelve chapters. Wow, of the book. So it really gives you kind of the, I guess, the foundation you need.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a really good basis to start with.
1: Yeah, and then there there's a total of Uh, So you've got 19 chapters in the book. So chapters 13 through 18, then build on what you've already learned. Well, chapter 13 is called Installing Packages with PIP. So you you learn how to install third-party packages using the PIP Package Manager. And then we've got chapter 14, Creating and Modifying PDF Files. Uh, Chapter 15 is How to Work with Databases. Chapter 16, Interacting with the Web. 17 is Scientific Computing and Graphing. And then Chapter 18, uh, which is kind of the culmination of everything you've learned throughout the whole book, it's on graphical user interfaces, and it kind of culminates with building a little temperature converter application, and then uh, like a text editor, a GUI-based text editor. So you, so it really goes beyond the basics.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it,
1: and shows you how to use what you've learned uh, to do some uh, practical projects.
0: Yeah, that's the I think might be one of the unique things about it. Like a lot of the fundamental books, you're working in like a REPL very often and occasionally you'll start building some, some small files, but here you're actually doing things that someone in an office may need to do, like generating PDFs or generating a GUI for other people to use and to work with. And that's always been my focus is like, you know, helping others with this sort of superpower as Michael Kennedy (laughs) likes to call it a Python is like, you know, like I, I, I want to be able to build things to not only show other people but potentially help them, you know, like with what they're trying to do with it and so that that's neat that you're kind of getting to that sort of end result in these final chapters and I think several of those things are previewable in a way on real python if somebody wanted to get an idea of like the the writing style and the the, the types of, you know, things that you're going to get into, is that right?
1: That is, yeah, we've got the uh, several of those later later chapters. Uh, we've got the the chapter on graphical user interfaces is published on Real Python. In creating and modifying PDF files. That chapter has been been published. So yeah, there's a couple there that you can you can check out. Oh, we also the object oriented programming chapter was published uh, there. So yeah, we can we can include those links for, for folks to to check those out. There is also a preview if you go to the website for the book, which we'll also, you know, provide that link.
0: Okay. They can download a PDF
1: preview of it. They can download a PDF preview of, I think, the first few first few chapters.
0: Yeah. I, I guess that kind of brings us to a question of like, okay, what form is the book coming in?
1: Yeah. So right now we're moving, we've moved out of the early access phase into, I guess, what we'll call the final final release. So when you purchase that, you get a PDF version. You also get an EPUB version and you also get a uh, Mobi file so you can read it like on a Kindle. You get these three different formats, electronic formats that you can read using whatever tool you like to read with. So they'll all work there. Uh, we do have plans to eventually release a paperback version that's going to come at a later, a later point. We don't have a, a date fixed for that yet, but, uh, uh, but there will be a, a paperback version available eventually but for now it's uh it's electronic
0: yeah i like getting the electronic books like i, I end up throwing like i end up using what used to be called ibooks i think it's just called books now or something like that on Apple the mac books yeah mm-hmm. when i throw something in there yeah when i throw something in there it's just nice because then it's sort of cloud-based and i can bring it up on an ipad or a different computer or whatever right yeah. I, I think the kindle library works in a similar way
1: so yeah yeah and we've had folks reading it on you know all three of those formats and using ePub readers that i've never even heard of (laughs) yeah sure all sorts of stuff so yeah it's kind of been battle tested it's a vast world (laughs) yeah i guess kind of a a related topic would be
0: to think of it in a digital form you don't think about it this much but um in a printed form like what does this translate into like a page count like how how big is this book uh it's
1: not super small (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh,
0: (laughs) it's not a small
1: book (laughs) i mean it's there's some things to consider there though. I'm, I'm looking at the I've got like a test version that we printed yeah a while ago, and it has changed quite a bit since this test print. In fact, I think it's shorter now. The test print I've got in my hand is 647 pages from start to finish. That's uh like you know starting with the title page all the way to uh, <laughs> to the end here. You know, but one thing. I think to keep in mind is, uh, I don't know if, if you've ever looked at Python tricks. Yeah. Dan's book, Python tricks. It's in that, it's a very similar format to that. Okay, the layout. So it's the same like size of book in terms of, you know, width and, and you know, page page size. The same font size. So it's a, a larger font. So things are, you know, very easy to look at and see. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, that, that all affects the the page count and everything. So don't let the page count intimidate you. It's... Uh, <laughs> well, I think you're getting a value. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, honestly, I said, you know, the first 12 chapters are kind of those those basics, like the foundation. Yeah. And so that's like 390 pages, the first, which I think is... I think that's a fair size for like, here's kind of the foundations of... So, like two two thirds of the book. Yeah. So the last third of the book is all you know projects basically, and and taking things a step further. And and if you go through it all, I mean, you wind up with a couple of projects that you could even have like in a portfolio. Nice. Just to kind of show that you know you've you've actually learned something and and can do something with Python.
0: I I think that's a really crucial thing, right? Just kind of getting to that that next stage to feel more like an uh, you know intermediate developer. Yeah. One of the things that I, I think you mentioned to me briefly, was that there are these challenges with each chapter, even the earlier chapters?
1: Yes. Yeah, that that's something that's a holdover from, from the original version that I really liked. So each chapter is broken down into sections. And each, I would say, 95 to 98% of all sections have exercises in them. And the exercises are, you know, very short. You know, they don't take a lot To respond to it's it's really just checking your understanding of what you just read. Okay. Usually it'll you'll be required to write like a very short code snippet that resembles very closely something you saw in the in the section. You know, just giving you that extra practice. Almost every chapter. There's a couple chapters that don't because it didn't quite make sense. But I think almost every chapter has a challenge or or multiple challenges. So a challenge is requires you to build something using what you've learned in that chapter and possibly in previous chapters and might require a little bit additional effort than, than you would need for, you know, just an exercise or something like that. So it's really trying to get you to kind of take it up a notch and be thinking about not only what you just learned, but sort of how it fits into the bigger picture.
0: Yeah. I think about that in some books that I've, uh, you know, been studying for, I don't know, this is a long time ago, but I was like doing things for like certifications and so forth. And I struggled with it a lot because I, I feel like having a multiple choice quiz at the end of the chapter does help with sort of a modern test taking technique. But it, I think there may be a different goal that you have in mind here with uh, these challenges.
1: Yeah, I mean the the goal is to you know some some of the challenges honestly might look like some interview questions uh, that you might that you might see. But really, the the idea is to you know integrate the what you just learned with things you've you have previously learned, so that each chapter isn't like just in a in a vacuum, right? Like, a, okay, so you're building, you're building on on something, and you also, in some cases, end up with a little project. So, for example, we've got a challenge that uh, stimulates an election. So you have two candidates. Running for office, like in a in a region and or an area that has like multiple regions, and you have to learn how to, you know, take you know who wins each region and then how to translate that into who wins the final election. We've got a challenge that, for example, you build a PDF a page extraction application, so you you can open up this is like one of the GUI challenges. So open up a PDF and then you would type in you know the page numbers that you want to extract, and it would save a new PDF with just those pages in it. So yeah, so you know, there's a wide variety of, of things in there to challenge you. Nice. And then are
0: there other materials that you've added to the book to, to help with the sort of cementing their learning?
1: Yeah, we've got online quizzes. Uh, That's a really good, a good, a good point. That's another kind of unique feature. Okay. Each chapter at, you know, when you get to the end of each chapter, you've got like a summary section that recaps everything you learned and then gives you some links to additional resources on real Python to kind of further your learning if you're, if you're interested. And then also a link to an online quiz. And for people that are listening, if you've ever taken, sometimes we have quizzes associated with our articles. It's the same format. As though. so you go to a link, it's got a quiz. You answer the questions, you get a score at the end. That's a really great way too to, you know, they're sort of I would say kind of like the exercises, but maybe a little bit more conceptual. So you know, making sure you understand key terms and understand concepts and things like that. But uh, yeah, we've got the we've got the online quizzes, and then we also have a GitHub repository that's got uh, the solutions for all the exercises and challenges.
0: Okay. Nice. So lots of little resources there. What versions of Python does it cover?
1: It is written for Python 3.6 and above. Uh, we have tested it on 3.6, 3.7, and 3.8. We'll we'll test it on 3.9 as well to to make sure that you know everything is is working good there. But yeah, it's it's uh, Python 3 centric and in particular Python 3.6 and above. Okay. So
0: things like f strings are definitely included in it.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So one of the things that I was wondering about, you know, when people look at the resources from Real Python with, you know, not only all the articles and the video courses that people can subscribe to and, you know, now the podcast, where does this book fit in to the whole ecosystem of Real Python?
1: Yeah, that that's a good question. You know, there's definitely some overlap with content in the book and content on the website. You know, one of the things with Real Python, we we release an article or a couple of articles every week. They're not released in any particular kind of order in terms of like that you should be learning things in, right? It's uh they're released in just the order in which they become ready and, and that authors pick topics and, you know, things like that. I look at the Real Python website as it's just a big repository of all these amazing learning resources, articles, and video courses. The majority of the content on the website, I think, is sort of targeted towards that intermediate maybe like advanced beginner early intermediate python developer okay that's not true of 100% of the content but that kind of i think that's sort of like the sweet spot and we we have content that addresses the absolute beginner and we have content for much more advanced readers as well but my sense i don't know if you agree or not but my sense is kind of that we kind of seem to be mainly focused on this like advanced beginner early intermediate stage so the book is like getting you up to that point so the way i see it is the book if you've never programmed in in python or programmed at all before python basics is your your entry into into real python and also into the python world it gets it sets you up to be successful to then you've got all the tools basically once you've read python basics and if you've worked through the exercises and if you've worked through the quizzes and if you've done the challenges you're in a really good spot then to just branch out and uh, what are you interested in do you want to learn web development do you want to learn more about data science well you're now kind of at a point where you can just start searching that stuff on real python and be at a good spot to be successful with that that content
0: i could see how the book would be useful for like somebody like me who kind of came in in this sort of disjointed way where you know, suddenly this job was presented to me and they're like, Hey, we're going to use Python. And, you know, and I had background on a variety of different languages and, you know, I, I basically grabbed from lots of random different sources and a few different books and so forth. But at at some point, if I felt like there were gaps in my whatever basics, fundamentals, it'd be nice to kind of have a organized (laughs) flow to get me to that okay i'm at this plateau there aren't any pitfalls or I, I missed understanding certain kind of things in having something that from a <laughs> from a voice that i trust you know like from a mm-hmm. that's the thing sometimes like i i've i've seen very opinionated types of books before that have these really interesting ways of presenting material and and then sometimes like said well, okay well this is an interesting way you know to present this but like I, sometimes i feel like there hasn't been a methodical uh, set of people going through this material and editing it and yeah. you know, make, vetting it, you know? And then also having, you know, the code to example that. So that's some, I guess that kind of brings up a couple things. Like one is, you know, do you think this book would be good for somebody who's like that missing some of those things in their, their background that want to get to like
1: this sort of intermediate plateau and feel like comfortable? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it covers a lot of things that, on the surface, might not really look like beginner content. Sure. Based on my experience and based on, I guess, some pet peeves I have with online tutorials and other uh, books that I've seen. (laughs) Sure. we, We spend time talking about character encoding. And, you know, this is something that, you know, even as a professional programmer, you know, tripped me up because i was working on on windows and i had opened a file that uh, i assumed was in utf8 because that seems like everything's in utf8 right like it just why wouldn't it be or i was just assuming that really what happened is i was assuming that the open function automatically opened things in, with the UTF a standard way. Yeah, you know it turns out that the encoding, whatever the default encoding is for the open function is not a, it's not a Python default. it's a system default. So it depends on what system you're on <laughs> On Mac OS, it's probably utF-8 on Windows, it's not. It's a, a different encoding. So these are things that they, they're kind of messy and I think they get overlooked on you know beginner beginner content. But it ends up being important to understanding like, you know, how a text file actually works. What is a text file actually? Well, it's just a whole bunch of bits. (laughs) That's what that's all it is, like every other file. Right. And those have to get translated somehow. And that translation is the character encoding. And so it's there's this like layer that's just missing and it can just cause all sorts of issues down the line. So rather than take the traditional approach of just letting people, I guess, stumble <laughs> when they get there and, and uh, you know, bang their head against uh, their desk until they find the right Stack Overflow <laughs> answer or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is an interesting way to learn too, you know, so. You know, and, and it can be, and that can be a good way uh, to learn. But I feel like, you know, we want people to learn best practices. And in my opinion, and I think in other people's opinion, you know, best practice with something like the open function. When you open a file, you should just be explicit about what encoding you expect it to be opened with, what, what encoding that is. Uh, you should be explicit about things like what kind of line endings are used. And so we talk about all that and, uh, and it's, you know, it's broken down. So yeah, I think it, you know, it fills a lot of gaps that people might have to kind of get to that intermediate point.
0: This week, the spotlight's going to be a little different. I want to let you know how you can check out that book we've been talking about this episode. There's an 85-page preview of the book available at PythonBasicsBook.com. There's no spaces, just PythonBasicsBook.com. And here are some of the highlights and features of the book. It covers each concept and language feature in a logical order. It has a simple-to-follow, step-by-step roadmap to develop foundational skills. Each step in this complete beginner's curriculum is explained and illustrated with short and clear code samples. There's also coding exercises within each chapter and interactive quizzes to help you fast-track your progress and ensure you know what to focus on next. So check out RealPython's practical introduction to Python 3.9 that jumps right into the meat and potatoes without sacrificing substance. It's a great way to become fluid in Python and gain programming knowledge you can apply in the real world today. Check it out again at pythonbasicsbook.com. What's the whole process been like for for writing this? Like not only the you know sitting down and say okay we're going to take this existing book and update it. You know what what have the stages been like?
1: Yeah, it's it's been um, it's been a crazy roller coaster ride for sure. You know, it's one of I guess to kind of begin this for a long time. I've always kind of thought it'd be cool to write a book. You know, I never knew what I would write it on. This is kind of my. I had the opportunity to, to write a book and, and took it. It is, I mean, I knew going into it, you hear all the time, like writers talk about yeah, you know, how difficult it is to write a book and, and they make jokes about all, you know, sort all sorts of stuff. Like I'm a writer. That's why, you know, I'm on the couch watching Netflix right now, <laughs> but I should be writing or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, I guess, you know, it's it's it is a lot harder than I expected it to be, and it's been a really interesting process. So, I guess I could kind of talk about you know the the original motivation, and then how goalposts kind of got moved and and things like that. And so, yeah, sure, yeah, it was I think March of twenty eighteen, March ish around there, that uh, Dan contacted me. I had written a couple, maybe only one article at that point for Real Python. We had a little bit of a working relationship and Dan reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I I want to uh look into updating this Real Python course bundle. And I'm gonna start with the first book. I think I'd like to work for you. Are you are you interested in it? Yeah, let's uh let's take a look at it. So uh the first step was for me to just, you know, read the read the book. I hadn't actually looked at the book one at all or anything in the in the Real Python course bundle. And I, I started reading it and you know at that point real python was a little bit more I think internally we joke about I mean, it was kind of the wild west at that point for us we hadn't didn't have a lot of the things we have established now in the pipeline we weren't established back then so we didn't have
0: uh yeah, some of the things that we've talked about in our first episode with Gerarna about right. the whole review process and and the people
1: that are you know in those
0: places now.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of that wasn't didn't didn't quite exist yet, although we were we were starting to move into that. And like I think at that point I'd been doing some some technical reviews. I don't think the didactic review process existed at all at that point, but I, I could be I could be mistaken. It's so long ago now.
0: What's that term mean? Like I, I, I hear it and I I feel like you know, I get an idea of what technical review would be, would be making sure that, that what the code you know is written inside this article that it works that that you can try it out in your own code editor or what have you, and you know, make sure that that stuff flows. but I'm not familiar with the term didac- didactic, <laughs> and so I kind of wonder what that means.
1: Basically, the didactic review is focused on looking at how well the the article or the, the course works from a teaching standpoint. So yeah, didactic is all about. I'm looking up the exact definition here. It's, it's, a, it's an adjective intended to teach. Uh, this says particularly in having moral instruction as an ulterior motive. But anyways, that's uh, we, we don't really have moral instruction, I guess, in our... Uh, but didactic is really, it's about teaching, and educational. So the didactic review, if you're familiar with the word pedagogy, we actually had um an internal discussion a couple of years ago. Where we were like, "What should we call this stage in the review and it came down, I had voted for a uh, pedagogical review, and I think Joanna wanted didactic review and it we ended up going with with didactic, but they're very similar in that makes sense yeah i mean it's they're almost synonyms of each other so but yeah, it's looking at it in terms of you know teaching and how well does this work as instructional and educational material, yeah. I mean, going back to the the story of the book. So I, I started looking at this, and even though at that point, you know, Real Python didn't have a lot of these review stages in place, we were starting to get, you know, a sense of like what what is the Real Python style. And when I read the book, which I want to say the original title was was just Real Python Course Bundle Book One, when I read that was pretty clear that it was very far removed from what I would, you know, I considered like the real Python style. It just stylistically was just very different. And so that kind of became the first big thing. You know, Dan originally was like, you know, it, it hasn't been updated in a long time. And, you know, we're, we've now gone through three or four new versions of Python since this was last touched. So yeah. we wanted to upgrade it. And I think at the time it was 3.6 had just come out. We wanted to update it, and that was kind of the original intent. And then I read it and was like, you know, I think not only should we update it for the newest version of Python, I think we might want to just try to mold this thing into something that resembles a little bit more like what readers would see on the on the website, just so it fits in with that style a little bit more. Right. And then that became this this long term goal with a goalpost that kept moving because we kept iterating on what. It meant to be like what real, the real Python style was. <laughs> so as that was was evolving, so too was like the book. So I had to kind of like go back and, okay, yeah, we're not gonna you know write things on that in this style. So now I need to go back and and change a couple of things in in these different chapters and stuff. So it, it just sort of became this uh, ongoing process of keeping it up to date with the real Python style. At a certain point, we we sort of made compromises and said, okay. It would take too long to go back and update everything now. So it's not exactly like a hundred percent. We have a real Python style guide that we use for our written content. And this does not conform to a hundred percent of that style guide, but it was created. We started working on it before that style guide really existed. So, you know, we've done our best to kind of keep up with it. But at a certain point, you know, it became, we, we weren't able to. Uh, to incorporate everything, but overall, I mean, if if you're if you're if you're familiar with Real Python articles, the chapters in this book are going to look familiar to you. They have a very similar similar style. Yeah. So yeah, I sat down and started working on uh, updating all this and rewriting things and trying to stylistically make it fit in with, with this ever changing style guide. In some cases, that was easy. In some cases, I had to, you know, rewrite entire chapters more or less from scratch. Uh, We've also added a couple of new chapters, or at least one that I can... We we added a chapter on modules and packages, which was something that wasn't discussed in the the original version. Did the original version have a lot of that stuff
0: in the latter third that we talked about?
1: It did, yeah. So, yeah, it had a every chapter that's there in that latter third was, was there in the original. But in some cases, we're using uh, slightly different... Like the GUI chapter was almost entirely rewritten to bring that more up to date. We added, you know, the, the NumPy. There's a chapter on scientific computing and graphing that talks about NumPy and Matplotlib. Those had gone through some pretty major changes, those libraries. So, you know, it's been updated for that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, overall, the, the content... Like if you were to look at the table of contents of the original and the table of contents of this one, they're pretty close. You would notice some things maybe got shuffled around a bit and are presented in a slightly different order. And some things were going into a little bit more depth than uh, uh, originally. But uh, it's very much in the spirit of the original book, for sure. And a lot of the examples and a lot of the challenges are original. I've just maybe formatted them a little bit differently and used a more modern solution for them. Yeah. So the original version was written by uh, Fletcher Heisler, who was one of the original founders of the realpython.com website. I mean, I got to hand it to him. He wrote a really good introduction. Uh, so we've just added that, uh, that real Python uh, shimmer and shine to it, I guess.
0: <laughs> right.
1: What were some of the things that you were excited about updating? I was excited about uh, getting into the GUI stuff because that's something that I didn't have a lot of firsthand experience with in python and so i i was excited to kind of dig into that and figure all that stuff out Man, it became i mean that was a, a journey in of itself it, it turns out that there's not at least my what i found and and sort of my opinion there just seemed to be a lot of kind of half-baked tutorials on Tkinter, where people started like really strong and then like lost steam <laughs> halfway through or something and and kind of gave up on it huh Interesting. And I I really found that it was like, man, if you really want to know how to use Tkinter, then you kind of have. So Tkinter is a wrapper for the uh, TK, which is uh, written in a a language called Tickle or TCL. The Tkinter is like a Python wrapper for that. So you're interacting with this Tickle language and this TK stuff through Python. And if you really want to learn, to Kinter in depth, you basically have to go to those docs and look at it in that original language and then sort of translate it back over in, into Python.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So I, yeah, I spent a lot of time looking at that stuff and and like, man, there's not really, I, I, had, I struggled to find like a really good thorough documentation, Python documentation uh, for all that stuff. And, you know, the chapter in the book is not, of thorough documentation on it, it's it's a, it's an introduction to to making graphical user interfaces with with Python and Tkinter. Yeah, I mean you just learn stuff like that, and you sort of see like where these gaps are in the overall ecosystem that um, you weren't aware of before. But yeah, I was excited about that. I was just overall excited for the opportunity to to you know write and work on a on a book. Yeah, totally. That was a big deal.
0: Are there some other important things that you, you felt like you needed to add to the book?
1: Well, it was it was important to add the uh, chapter on modules and, and packages, because that, I feel like, is a really important part of, you know, if you're going to c- call yourself an intermediate or even advanced beginner Python developer, you should know what a module is, you should know what a package is, you should know how to create them, and you should know how to use them in your own program. So yeah. uh, we felt like that was an important thing to to add. I felt like it was really important to to be very clear with things like uh, loops and while loops and for loops, and and then also I I spent a lot of time rewriting and reorganizing the data structures chapter, which is about lists, tuples, and and dictionaries, hmm. to try to make that as clear as possible. What an iterable is and what a sequence is. And there's these terms that you you see used all the time in the Python docs, you know, that, oh, this thing works because of the sequence protocol or, you know, things like that. It's like, so what is that stuff? What, you know, what, what do those mean? So it, the book is not, it's not documentation, like you think of like the Python docs. So it's not, uh, and it's also, it's not written for like computer scientists, right? So we're, it's, it's all presented in a really beginner-friendly manner, but I wanted to get those points across and expose people to those those kinds of things. So, you know, we talk about like the tuples are an immutable sequence. Well, what does it mean to be a sequence and what does it mean to be immutable? And what are these things like orderings and and all this stuff? right? And also like talking about empty data structures. I think that's something that people tend to gloss over a little bit and yet some people struggle with that kind of stuff. Like, uh, like what is an empty tuple, right? I mean, hmm. it's this thing that doesn't have anything in it. Like, wh- why why do you even need that? Like, what is that? Like, <laughs> why does that even exist? The empty string? Like, what? why do you even need something like that? So those are like these little details that I added that I really just based on my own experience as a programmer and then also teaching. I, I taught mathematics as a teaching assistant at Texas A&M. And I also taught, I was teaching uh, calculus to freshman engineers. Part of what I had to do was uh, teach a, a MATLAB laboratory. So I was teaching programming to these people that were planning to become engineers and had never seen programming before. And these are things that kind of kept coming up, like these basic questions. Wow. Yeah. I had students ask, like, why would I ever even need an empty string? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like, wow, I'd never really thought about it. But I mean, if, if someone were to ask you, give me a string uh, of all, all vowels that start with the same sound as like Z or something, or, you know, the tuple of all negative numbers that are also positive. I mean, <laughs> like these like crazy, it's like, well, that would have to be the empty tuple. <laughs> so there's like, there's a, there's a real need for these kinds of things that depends on the problem that you're solving and what, you know, what the answer to that problem is. Right. That's the trick is like it
0: you know there's these specifications that that at the end you know especially if you're like testing your code and and kind of f- have this flow that at the end the result has to be in a particular you know format or right. a particular object or whatever that you're looking for and so it may be something you know that isn't just simply like none you know <laughs> it's it's something that's empty which is interesting
1: exactly yeah okay so yeah i mean i think as You know, as I was reading through all that and, you know, it seemed like these were areas where I could really have an impact. And also going back to like the whole character encoding thing, the things about, you know, line endings and the difference between Windows and and Unix and stuff that, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of beginners just don't get exposed to that. Uh, except through like the the School of Hard Knocks style kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: I call it sanding off uh, the edges, you know, like making sure that people are prepared for these kind of situations so they're not cutting themselves through the process and having a painful experience.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Who worked on the book with you? It was myself. And At the very beginning, it was me and Dan. And uh, Dan was reading the stuff that I had written and, you know, giving me some some feedback on that. As time went on, we added uh, Joanna. Okay, was doing didactic reviews for all the the chapters and giving me that kind of feedback on the the educational aspect of it. And then here recently, we've added Jacob Schmidt, who is our copy editor for all the written content on Real Python. He did a uh, fantastic edit of the entire book. Wow, people are going to think I'm like this great writer, and really, it's just. Jacob knows how to, how to bring out the best, <laughs> I guess, and, and all that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Who's doing the forward on it? Forward was written by Mike Kennedy, which uh, you just had him on the podcast not too long ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty recently, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun having him uh, do that. So, yeah, his name will be on there as the uh, author of, of the forward. And, yeah, it's just uh, overall been a, a great team and a really good experience.
0: So are you ready to dive into this? I haven't, I haven't sprung this on you before, having you answer the the weekly questions. So <laughs> we mostly were talking about projects and other kinds of fun things. But what are you excited about in the world of Python?
1: You know, I am really excited about Python on hardware. And it's something that I have really, I've not had as much time as I'd like to work on stuff like that and have little projects. But CircuitPython just had a new major release here recently And uh, you know, MicroPython, that project continues to to grow. So there seems to be more and more. You know, as I as I curate content for Pycoders and stuff like that, I'm seeing more and more of these uh, little hardware projects that people are are doing and uh, little robots and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm excited for that to continue growing. It's uh, it's an interesting concept, embedded Python. I mean, it seems like. Embedded languages usually tend to be like very very small languages, and Python is not a very very small language. So it's it's just neat to see that that project like actually gaining steam and right and uh, and moving forward. So yeah, I'm excited about that.
0: So what is it that you want to learn next?
1: You know, I have recently been well. I guess I should say you know I I come from somewhat of a formal computer science background. I I minored in computer science when I was in college. So that along with your mathematics? Along with the mathematics, yeah. And so I've got like experience writing in a lot of different languages, but some of it only like academically or like just for a class. So I took an operating systems class and everything was done in C uh, for it. And I have just recently kind of had this bug like in the back of my mind, like I I really want to go back. I haven't programmed in C since then. I haven't done anything. In it, I want to go back and and revisit that and and relearn some C. uh, You know, in a way, I guess, kind of go back to like these quote unquote foundations and and then learn sort of how C and Python interact with each other because you know the biggest Python uh, runtime is C Python, which is written in in C, and so it would be really neat to be able to have more of an understanding of of that and and also something like Cython. Perhaps writing Python modules in C, you know things like things like that. So that's kind of been on. Just I don't know, kind of recently, just uh, an itch that I've had that I'm hoping I will get some time to scratch in the near future.
0: Nice. Well, thanks for coming on the show again and and diving into the book. I'm I'm pretty excited to check it out myself.
1: Yeah, let me know what you think. And uh, thanks for for having me on. It was fun to kind of do a different format this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations on it and. We'll include links to not only the the previews, but all the articles that kind of came out of this process. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon with uh, one of our uh, PyCoders-style episodes soon.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Cool. All right. See ya.
0: I want to thank David Amos for coming on the show this week. And I want to thank you for listening to the RealPython podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in your favorite player. And if you like the show... Leave us a five-star rating and a review. You can find show notes with links to all the topics we spoke about inside your podcast player or at realpython.com slash podcast. And while you're there, you can leave us a question or a topic idea. I've been your host, Christopher Bailey, and look forward to talking to you soon.